Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grand Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to Episode 5. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And we're the FedHeads, and we thank you very much for listening. And uh, one of the things that has come out of the budget conversation that we had on last week's episode People in government are talking about how they're going to demonstrate to OMB and to the White House how their reorg efforts and the programs that they want to keep and so on are justified. Return on investment is a term that I hear on occasion. Um, But it kind of, I I hearken back as I listened to some of those conversations this week about something that you talked to me about years ago when you were at OMB and I was at Federal News Radio and we talked about evidence-based program management. And I wonder what has happened in the interim, in your view, to support that and to move that effort forward. Yeah, most of my career has been focused on trying to help agencies and programs better articulate what outcomes they're trying to accomplish and measure and prove whether or not they're accomplishing them so they can do better. Um, And I think we've come a long way. There's more data available today than ever in the history of the country. And the evidence community, as I call it, small but merry band of reformers, um, is uh, trying to marshal that data and the talent to better uncover what's working so that we can focus resources there and less on things we know not to be working. One of the reasons I like hanging out with you is you introduced me to cool people, and you've introduced me to two today. Um, Nick Hart and Andy Feldman are here. And, Nick, I want to start with you. Just give me 30 seconds about what about your career and what's led you up to where you are today and why you care so much about uh, evidence-based performance, as we talked about before we started the show. Sure. Well, thanks for the invitation to come chat with you today. And I just say I spent uh, quite a while in my career working at the Office of Management and Budget. So just to your question about uh, to Robert about uh, budgeting, I mean, there is really clearly a need in Washington, D.C. to demonstrate the results of programs that we have. So I learned a lot in my time at OMB about where that happens and in many cases where it doesn't. Uh, today, I am at the Bipartisan Policy Center and I am continuing the work of what was recently completed from the Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking, which Robert was one of the commissioners of. You have to call me Commissioner Francis. There's zero probability that that's <laughs> going to happen <laughs> moving terrible. forward. Just no respect. Commissioner the Rodney Dangerfield of the FedHeads. <laughs> Put that on the probability. record. Uh, so happy to be continuing the work of the commission. I think it's a really exciting time for evidence-based policymaking. There were a lot of great recommendations that came out of the commission and uh, really excited to be part of that. Um, before I introduce Andy Feldman and ask him to do the same thing, I, I just want to reiterate, 0% probability that I will call you Commissioner Shea. You had to repeat it? Yes, I thought it was necessary <laughs> to reinforce that idea. Can we? And, move, where do we get those seconds back? Andy, thanks very much for you coming bet. in today. Uh, same deal. Just give us a thumbnail sir. of your background and why you care about this sir, stuff sir. so much. Well, I'm used to doing the interviews, not being interviewed, so this is well, a little good. tougher. Turnabout's fair play. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but, Hot uh, seat. Right. So I actually was in Wisconsin state government before coming uh, to the Obama administration to the uh, Office of Management and Budget's evidence team which was a little team with a big mission to make uh, government more results-focused through evidence and data and innovation. And after that, went to Brookings, and now glad to be at Grant Thornton. 
And why did I get into this business? It really is uh, because we have big challenges, obviously, obviously in this country. And if you can, we need to use every dollar the most wisely we can. And that's really under underscoring this whole agenda. I want to pick up on something that Nick said, but I'm curious about actually all three of your opinions about it. Um, Nick, you said uh, during your little intro blurb that there is this kind of critical mass of opinion about using evidence to determine where the money goes. Are more people buying into that? Because it wasn't always that way. Well, I'd I'd say it's not just about where the money goes. It's also using the money as effectively as possible. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, we can do a lot of evaluation activities that help us implement programs better so we can learn over time. Uh, In terms of the momentum, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Congress actually is a good gauge here. Just in 2016, they passed a piece of legislation creating a commission on evidence-based policymaking. Uh, It was an activity pushed by Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator Patty Murray. And the fact that they came together, Republican and Democrat, and advocated for the commission, I mean, that's a really good sign. And we've seen a lot of things happen in the subsequent years that, that really continue that momentum. Andy, what did you find when you came into the Obama administration as far as the receptiveness of the agencies to feed information to OMB to help you make these decisions? And how has that evolved over the years? Sure. It's a mix. Some agencies have been doing this for years, um, and some, for some it's very brand new. I think one thing that uh, became pretty clear early on was it really was a bipartisan effort. Um, this agenda, the evidence agenda, has its roots in the Bush administration. Robert was a key part of that. Uh, if you think of one of the key, for example, um, advances in social policy, it was the Department of Education launching a research arm, the Institute of Education Sciences. That happened in the Bush administration. The Obama team took over the agenda and catalyzed it, um, grew it in new ways, outcome-focused grant-making, building capacity within agencies to do more of this, um, you, harnessing data. And today, it continues as well. So it is, I would say, under the nose of most Americans, we focus on the partisan rancor, has been this growing bipartisan movement to focus on evidence, data, and innovation. The commission made recommendations about new governance over this, how to drive it, one of which was to appoint a chief evaluation officer at each agency. Um, Other recommendations about Agencies need to figure out what what are the big questions they want answered about whether their programs are working, and then to invest in studies that give them answers to those questions. Nick, I know you're working hard at this. Can you give us an update on those recommendations and where they might be headed on the Hill? Sure. So the commission made 22 recommendations. They loosely covered issues around data access uh, for government data that already exists. Uh, the capacity to generate evidence and some privacy protections. There's a piece of legislation working its way through Congress called the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act. It covers about 10 of the recommendations, and I'd say it moved very quickly through the House. It was filed in late October and voted out of the House in November. So it's currently awaiting action in the Senate. And I think we're you know, expecting it to move at some point this year, and we're optimistic that that'll happen. What's the over-under it gets done before the end of the spring? Uh, I'll just stay quiet on that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, the point is that fo- folks listening might might uh, see these requirements uh, land on their desks sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. The Senate where legislation goes to die. That's right. But I maybe, mean, maybe in this case something will pull it through. Well, is there an advocate somewhere on the Senate side? Is, is there 
a member in either party who will be kind of the force behind this to make it happen? So Senator Patty Murray is one of the big champions of the commission's creation, and also she was a co-sponsor of the legislation. So uh, her staff are optimistic, which leads me to be optimistic myself. Is there a Republican, though, that has demonstrated that he or she would be willing to push on it? There are some Republican co-sponsors of the legislation. It includes, uh, I think from your last episode, you had Hudson Hollister on, Mm -hmm. uh, talked a little bit about the Open Data uh, Act. Uh, And so the Open Data Act is actually incorporated in this piece of legislation as well. So there are Republican co-sponsors. It makes sense because the data that Hudson talks about uh, is going to be really critical in providing the evidence that people need to make these decisions. Am I on the right track? Definitely. You know, if these new requirements become enacted, for example, as Robert was saying, every agency will need to have a chief evaluation office and create a learning agenda. What's a learning agenda? It's basically identifying the questions as an agency that you wish you knew that could be answered over time with research that would improve your results. If those become requirements, I think the challenge will be making them real because we know these things can easily turn in to check the box exercises. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for advocates of this agenda to really help agencies make it real. I think one hook is that a lot of these practices that we're talking about are how leading private sector businesses, you know, operate. You know, I don't see very often leaders in federal agencies step back and say, what, if, if I can answer half a dozen questions about ways to make my enterprise work better, what would I ask? Where would I get that evidence? That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. An enterprise level, what do I need to know about what's working and what's not so that I can really drive improvements where they'll have the biggest impact? Are there hard incentives other than just we want the agency to work better or we want to spend money more efficiently? Those are really kind of large existential concepts. Are there more defined, more narrow incentives for leaders at agencies to do this, to get out of what you talked about, which is making this not a check-the-box exercise? Yeah. My quick answer is that some of this is about longer-term research, and that's important. Mm -hmm. Big questions over time that take multiple studies. But part of this is rapid experimentation, improving operations for basically free or low cost that could improve your results within a month. So I hope, you know, when folks are thinking about the evidence agenda, this is not just long-term research. This is very actionable, and so that's a hook. But to your point, I don't think there are any structural incentives. This is about better investment of limited tax dollars so they have the biggest impact. But you can get a little addicted to the kinds of things that Andy's talking about. Do you have examples of where that's worked, private or public sector? Yeah, Um you know, the uh, there, we've got a bunch of examples where it did produce positive results. I, one of my favorite examples is the, from the Treasury Department, which had a bit of a surprising ending. And I'll just tell this one very quickly. But the yeah, tre- we just got fifteen minutes. The okay. Treasury Department collects debts from Americans. If agencies can't collect a debt that's owed to it, it goes to Treasury after a while. So they send letters saying, "Hey, you owe us money." They hadn't updated these letters in years. So they worked with a team that thinks about behavioral insights. They improved the letter dramatically. It used to say dear and then a case number. And they said, <laughs> you know, they improved dear it. 5-321. It literally did. So they changed it to say wow. dear Robert Shea. Um, and I don't it, owe the government anything, okay, <laughs> just for the record. And it also, for example, had a short URL to say you can pay this debt online. Here's what you owe. But 
they used really an experimental mindset. They said, we think this will improve results, but let's test it. Uh-huh. They did a you know a randomized trial, sent 5,000 letters with the new one, 5,000 with the old one. No effect. Huh. Really surprising. Why? Because these folks had basically given up, probably, opening up their mail from the Treasury Department. So what they needed was a better envelope, really, not a better letter. Uh-huh. But it's an example of kind of the mindset that we want to make improvements and test whether those improvements actually work. That's so, a great example. Yeah, let's yep. go a little bit deeper into that then because that will require behavioral changes on the part of the government people to your point exactly. The letter made perfect sense. And I'm just as guilty as somebody in government because I would have thought, yeah, that sounds ridiculous the way you described the letter. Would have never thought of the idea that the person receiving it would see it was from the Treasury Department. And of course they would never open it. Right. How do you go about changing that way of looking at the world and way of thinking about your job? Maybe there is a relationship to what we're seeing in the evidence that's in front of us that we derive from this data. Yeah, so I think I might connect the dots across a couple of the things that have come up. Andy mentioned learning agendas before giving the example. And honestly, it's one of the things that I find the most exciting in the conversation now about how we make progress in actually using information and evidence that's generated, but also being really honest about what our needs are. So the legislation that I described, uh, if it passes Congress, we'll have a mandate across the federal government that learning agendas will be created in every department. I think it it gets to your exact question about how you establish incentives uh, across the federal government. So we can uh, not only send really clear signals to um, research arms inside government, but also university researchers or private contractors or Uh, other uh, consultants that are out there to help us build the right kind of evidence and help us think really clearly about what the needs are for interpreting, uh, you know, is it the the letter or is it the envelope? Uh, And the only way we get to the actual answer to questions like that is by putting a lot of really good brain power on these really tough questions. What else should we watch moving forward? Uh, what, are, what do you think are the most important things to pay attention to? The legislation is important. Absolutely. I understand that. Um, what are the th- markers, though, that to watch that maybe don't require legislation or that if somebody's listening at an agency, they can go, wait a minute, I could do this thing or these two things or whatever starting this week? Because you talked earlier, Andy, about the idea that some of these things can change performance in very short order. Mm-hmm. What, right. what are the things, the switches you could switch tomorrow. All right. I think the first step is just saying, where are we as an agency or a program with these kind of capabilities? And if we're really starting from scratch, how do we do some basic steps to just build that capacity? Try out an experiment just like the Treasury did. You know, that'll build capacity in the agency. Um, we've got great examples of results-focused grant making. Um, when I came into the government, I didn't think a lot about grants. It sounds boring. But so much money flows from the federal government to states and localities that if you want to make government more results focused, you need to make grants more results focused. So for example, we've got um, a quick example of home visiting program. Most of the money for the home visiting program has to go to evidence-based approaches. But some of the money can go for innovative new approaches. So you keep learning. It's kind of like a balance between evidence and innovation. You need both. So anyway, big picture, I would say start wherever you are as an agency and, and build capacity. Nick? Yeah, there's a lot agencies can do now that doesn't require new legislation or new authority, and so I completely agree with that. But there are some really cool new authorities that are currently underway 
the Bipartisan Budget Act, which just passed Congress a few weeks ago, uh, included a handful of really big evidence wins. Uh, Andy mentioned home visiting. That was one, the reauthorization of this really uh, model evidence-based program. Uh, there are things like pay for success. There's a reemployment program, uh, money for the Census Bureau. I mean, these are really big things for evidence-based policymaking, really critical. So I would say absolutely watch what happens in the next budget discussion. Um, and, you know, we, we will try to do our best to um, see what we can do behind the scenes. Um, we'll have a lot of new authorities and the governance of the uh, chief evaluation officer the governance proposed over the evidence agenda really comes out of the Department of Labor. What distinguishes that agency from others is leadership, and you'll need real dedication leadership to actually bring the, the intent of these things to fruition. Mm -hmm. Both of you have been incredible leaders in the movement. Thank you. So Thank keep you. at it. It's, Thanks. It's a, Thanks. It's a long road to hoe. We're almost out of time, but before we close, I want to just give you a piece of advice, if I could, Andy. You yeah. said earlier that some folks might think that grants are kind of boring. Just remember that now you now work for Grant Thornton. Exactly. So you can never say that again, or you shouldn't, <laughs> probably. I remind you that the podcast is free, and that, <laughs> as is the humor. That, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Andy Feldman, Nick Hart, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Robert Shea, it's great to be on FedHeads with you once again. Excellent. Thanks, Francis. And thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector. And don't forget to leave us a comment or a review on the iTunes or Google Play Store.